from the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good afternoon to you. Hope you enjoyed the show with Jack and Margie Flynn. Her book sounds great. Their book sounds great about bypassing the banking on Amazon. And now we're going to get into a little bit of monkey business. Uh, our graphics girl, Sharon, made this one. It's great, man. <laughs> monkey box, monkey box, monkey box. I, it almost kind of thing like it died for a minute, and now they're going to try to bring it back to life again. I don't know what's going on with it. We're going to talk with a gentleman that we've had the honor of talking to a few times, Mike Stone. His website is Virolig. I like the way that spelling is, V-I-R-O-L-I-E-G-Y. He's an exercise science guy and a trainer, was doing all kinds of work with wellness and uh, as a coach for wellness people, you know, helping people stay well, really. And they got involved with researching some of the uh, craziness, uh, the fraudulent stuff going on with HIV uh, back in 17, and now he's been digging in and doing some work, lots of work, with this whole alleged virus and been on some great shows with Cowan and and he's getting around the bend and talking to a lot of people. So, Mike, you're getting kind of famous here. You're going to need an agent soon, brother. I guess so. Yeah, I start doing bookings and everything. <laughs> um, it's been great. You know, it's been an honor to, to talk with you, but I, you were actually the first show I was ever on. Is that right? So, okay. you get, yeah, you get the distinction of, oh, of being the first. I, I wasn't planning on doing interviews and um you uh i believe one of my friends uh lynn wright she had um known about your show and had asked uh, me to go oh, on and that. i know why too because Cowan, i i uh i watch his stuff and you know he said well oh, i've been reading this guy mike stone stuff he's really good that's where i got the lead you know and then yeah. somebody else emailed me so i emailed mike i said you want to come on he said sure whatever and yeah. so we we've been doing it. so you've been doing some other shows you've talked to Cowan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've spoken with Dr. Cowan and, and um, Dr. Kaufman. We did a. We actually did. A, I don't know if you saw it, but a monkeypox. Um, it was called monkeypox mania. And it was kind of a a panel with um, oh, a no, bunch I, of us. I did that, not. Where can people watch that? Do you know where it's on? Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, I don't know the exact site that it's on. It's on my site. Like oh, if cool. you go under the monkeypox section. Um, under monkeypox it's it's labeled monkeypox mania but i think it's also under the uh presentation section but um i'll i can send you the link later too <laughs> well that's okay we can look on vero Lige or we can find it yeah we can yeah, find you'll it. find it there yeah yeah so under the monkey box so right. this whole monkey biz that uh, we did one show on it what a few months ago and kind of went into yeah. it so i guess you guys uh, who are into this have looked at it a little bit more carefully and uh, give us a short story of what you think this thing is or is not. What I think it is, well, I, I think, you know, in my opinion, it's more of the same. You know, it's they're looking at nonspecific symptoms. Um, in this case, you know, any sort of skin eruption, um, which can be with many different uh, diseases and conditions and they're trying to claim that uh, finding a lesion you, know, you have to go get tested for it, you know it's it's tied again to the PCR test um, and they're targeting a community the, the gay community who are you know prone to being tested and, and going to uh, health clinics and stuff like that and um, you know any positive PCR test they're labeling a monkeypox case even though these the the symptoms that are presenting are not typical they're, they're they, they've admitted they're atypical so they, they don't present the way monkeypox normally presents like uh the rashes are not all over the body some people don't get rashes at all um if they do get them they may get one or hmm. they may just get a might get a few in a little area hmm. not like all over the arms or the chest face like where they're normally seen um usually it's supposed to start off kind of like the flu like you get flu-like symptoms people are not coming down with flu-like symptoms they might have like a pimple or something and they're testing positive by way of pcr um i've seen cases where people were going in for uh being checked for gonorrhea or uh, chlamydia and then they're finding monkeypox while testing for those so 
you know, they're they're doing what they do with uh, COVID, which is taking people that are, you know, either in for other uh, symptoms or no symptoms at all, and they're pegging them with a, a faulty test. Yeah, with the PCR test, which we know absolutely not tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, it is fraudulent. Nothing is true about this PCR test. So do you have any idea of the proliferation of people that are presenting with some of the pictures I've seen, they look pretty spooky. Maybe they're the same pictures circulating the internet. Do we know how many people are actually getting puffy stuff on their skin like monkey pox? And why are they getting this if there's no monkey pox? Yeah, I haven't looked at the the breakdown, unfortunately, okay. like the numbers as far as how many people are presenting with um, some, like the actual lesions. All I know is that a lot of the cases like the CDC has come out and said this, the WHO, that they're not presenting the way it typically does. And most of the time it's in the genital areas. Um, and, and they're saying, you know, primarily it's, it's in gay men gay, gay or, uh, yeah, in the gay community. So like they say, I believe it's 98% of the cases are coming from that community, which is odd in and of itself because viruses, you know, aren't supposed to discriminate, but somehow they're, they're, they're going and discriminating against, uh, you know, people based on sexual preference. So it's, it's a little odd um, to see that. But as far as why, you know, people might be presenting or coming down or the appearance of it, you know, there, there could, there are many factors. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, I sent you some information oh, for, for one thing, who knows? It could be tied to the um, vaccines. Mm-hmm. You know, could be that people are being injected in because it's a a, a body's response. You know, um, the detoxification response. Yeah, through the skin. Um, but you know, if you look at a related disease, herpes, which is regularly confused with monkeypox, um, same kind of lesions and everything especially if you're looking at the genital area which monkeypox was never known as a sexually transmitted disease now they're trying to kind of put it into that territory oh. of a sexually transmitted disease but just friction alone you know uh, has been shown to cause those lesions so you don't need a virus to um explain why people are getting lesions, lesions. you know or you uh, don't need a virus yeah or, or no or rashes it can be caused by friction. It can be caused by sweat, uh, depending on if people use, you know, lubricants, whether, you know, the different chemicals that are in the lubricants could be irritating their skin. Um, you know, they say stress, anxiety can cause these lesions. People that are on different drugs uh, like chemotherapy or uh, immune suppressing drugs can come down with lesions. I mean, so there's there's all sorts of different factors as yes, to sir. why these things could be appearing that do not require a virus as an explanation. Do you believe it? I believe it's accurate. Correct me if I'm wrong, that herpes, as we know, herpes, and uh, has never been proven to be a virus that you catch either. Never, ever, right? right? So it could be the same thing. We've had people on the show, Mike, that argue that it's essentially kind of put it uh, simply thin skin, lack of collagen and things like that. And people have these, I don't know what they are, toxins, I don't know. Maybe they're just good guys and they pop out because, I don't know, maybe they're in the body to do something, you know, like an exosome kind of thing. And they pop out with the friction and stress. And probably yeah, how exactly. herpes, it's just, right? Yeah, it's a response. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll say um, that it's the virus that is causing that response, but then there are all these other activities that relate to it. So it's the friction is causing lesions but it's because of the virus and the friction acting together to create these lesions which is ridiculous you can just say it's just because of the the friction alone is irritating the skin and the skin for whatever reason is needing to you know it's either been um damaged trauma or it's trying to expel something that it does not want inside of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so this thing that doesn't want inside of it that's not really a virus that is contagious is it what, what could it be? Just toxins or who knows? Right, right. Well, because I, I mean, the problem with any of these outbreaks, it's, you know, it's primarily based on whether or not you trust the, the statistics, right? 
Um, and so are they being accurate as far as um, the presentation of how many people are supposedly coming down with monkeypox? That's what you got to look at. But, you know, if you look at this case in particular, so when it started off, well, I mean, actually going back even further, you, I, I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not, but before all this even started, I believe it was in November of 2021, mm -hmm. there was a, a drill that, um, like a, a summit, I don't know if you're familiar with Event 201, oh, yeah. which was a drill that happened before mm -hmm. COVID. Well, they had a similar thing like that for this one, monkeypox. I mean, they accurately predicted that we were going to have a monkeypox outbreak in May oh, of dear. this year. Oh, no kidding. Oh, God. Yeah, and the same people were involved. Hmm. People from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You saw people from the CDC, pharmaceutical companies, the, the World Health Organization. Um, so they, they ran this drill. You, you see this a lot. So, you know, that's kind of suspicious in and of itself, just right. starting off there. So we see this pop up May 20, 2022. Um, and so then the cases, as they're being presented, are like I said, not typical. So you're not seeing the exact same symptoms that, or the presentation of the symptoms that you would normally see with monkeypox. Um, the people that are coming down with these symptoms are have no history of travel to what they call endemic areas. So they did not travel to Africa or the, the parts of Africa where monkeypox was even present. So they had no history of, of travel to these countries. Um, or contact with anyone who did. So, you know, that's questionable in and of itself. Uh -huh. um, as I said, the main people that are coming down with these symptoms are, you know, men who have sex with other men and they're being tested in um, sexual health clinics. They're, they're being tested for other things. So it, it's another one of these situations where you can easily see that it's um, a testing pandemic again. Or it's not, you know, they're not calling monkeypox a pandemic yet, but it's being fueled by inaccurate tests um, based on uh, nonspecific symptoms. And if you put in this uh, narrative or this story that, you know, anyone who finds, you know, a simple like a pimple down in their groin area or a, or something like that, they'll run and get tested. And if they become positive, there there you go. You got another case of monkeypox. Hmm. And, and I guess... Uh we pretty much know now if especially would be in the gay community when god love these guys they're so paranoid anyway and frightened and, and you know peter people are beating on them all the time how bad they are and then they could test it and that what that could do to the immune system just to make things worse right i mean we know that it's it's a big deal it's, it's a big deal you think you've got the something. diagnosis yeah <laughs> yeah definitely i mean you saw that with uh hiv, with HIV I mean, right yeah uh luke montagnier said um the, the guy you know the code of mm -hmm. i guess he's technically the discoverer of hiv um but he said just the diagnosis alone will condemn a person to die yeah you know but if you clean up your lifestyle you'll be just fine you know it's you're not going to die you're you're going to be uh okay so yeah, I think you, you create enough fear, you generate enough fear, and you tell uh, a specific community that there's this virus going around and you better look out for these symptoms. Anyone who starts off with, you know, flu-like symptoms might go and get tested. They see, you know, I read an article just from the CDC stating that it was presenting like pimples. So anyone who gets a pimple is going to sit there and question, oh my gosh, do I have monkeypox? And they're going to go and get tested for it with the test that we know is obviously fraudulent. So, you know, they'll they'll scare, drum up enough fear in people to get them to test, to get their case numbers up. But what they don't tell you, though, is, you know, the PCR test, even by their own um, narrative, is not accurate if the case numbers are low so you know in a place where monkeypox would be considered endemic like in africa they would consider those tests to be more accurate because it's spreading there but when you're outside in non-endemic countries surveillance is supposedly low so the pcr test is not accurate you're going to get a lot of false positives and so this goes into a little bit more with you know with 
PCR tested, whether or not you believe those results are accurate in the first place. But just based on their story, if you're in a country where the cases are low, you know, the test is not going to be accurate to begin with. So how are they generating these case numbers with an inaccurate yeah. test in countries where it's not endemic? We're talking with Mike Stone, his website, Vir, Virolige, V-I-R-O-L-I-E-G-Y. Check it out. He's got videos there. He's got some really cool articles. He's in all kinds of uh, real um, critically think- thinkable articles and stuff. So congratulations on your site. It's good stuff. Um, if you'd like to uh, ask Mike a question, you can call 888-663-6386. We're live here. Uh, August 10th, or Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. That's my personal phone. We won't answer that one. So, after all this time and with your with your experience with a, a family member and looking at HIV, can you can you say with with a, a surety that there never was a HIV virus that was floating around and people were giving to one another? Can are you sure about that? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I looked at huh? the original paper. Yeah, I, I looked at uh, Monsignor's original paper. I looked at, um, oh gosh, what is his name? Robert Gallo's original papers. They've never purified nor isolated any virus. I mean, Montagnier is on record stating that they never purified any virus. Um, even when asked why you're supposed to purify a virus, he said, "Well, to prove it's real." So. You'd never purify a virus. You admit you never purified a virus, and that's the way to prove it's real. He admitted they never did that. Um, and so <laughs> there's explanations for why, you know, originally why people were coming down with odd symptoms. And it was tied to, um, I believe it was poppers. Um, Popper, yeah. Uh, uh, amyl nitrate, right? Amyl nitrate. Yes. Yeah, and so people were, you know, and, and again, it was the, the gay community that was targeted there. Um, they were using these drugs, and um, it was causing them to, I believe, come down with, uh, I can't even pronounce it, Kaparsi sarcoma or something mm-hmm. along those lines. It's a certain uh, lung cancer, um, and, and, you know, it was destroying their immune systems. And so instead of looking at their lifestyle and you know looking at the drugs that they were taking at the time uh of course you know the cdc is like no nah, it's got to be a virus so that's the direction they looked at they didn't look at any sort of um you know environmental or, or physical toxins that they're they're exposed to it had to have been a virus and so that's the way they went and you know they, they started as the uh, story began to grow and grow they put more and more conditions more uh, symptoms under the the AIDS umbrella, and it just kind of spiraled from there. Yes, sir. Any um, real evidence about people conjecturing that all of the drugs and things that they gave these people were really part of the problem where we're killing them, much like the injections are today? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, um, AZT, you know, the drug that was used to treat people with HIV, they admitted that it caused the exact same symptoms. I mean, it was it was a really? thing that was causing people to waste waste away. You know, lose weight. Uh, it destroyed their immune systems. It it essentially killed them. Um, so yeah, most of the the symptoms that you can you know see under the the HIV AIDS or the AIDS category can be directly linked to AZT, which um, that drug was considered so toxic. It was pulled off the street. They wouldn't even use it for chemotherapy. Wow. But uh, it was a failed chemotherapy drug, I believe, in the 70s. And so then HIV came around and they decided, well, let's try this again. They used it, killed off, you know, it created the impression that a lot of people were dying. Were dying. Everybody they, thought it was from AIDS, yeah. right? Everybody thought it was from AIDS. Exactly. They thought it was from AIDS, but then they uh, were killing them with AZT. And so when the drug started killing them, so fast they actually stopped using ACT or they cut down the the dosage and so now they have you know the antiretrovirals which I believe some of them still contain AZT but it's a much lesser amount than what they used to do and so they are now you know living longer statistically but they're still being slowly poisoned to death Hmm. so uh, you just don't see them die as quickly as they used to but now they're coming down with you know um, 
you see a lot of cases of people having fatty deposits going around their bodies or coming down with cancers that were never associated with AIDS, but now they're saying, well, those are AIDS-related cancers, even though most likely you can link it right back to the drugs that they're on. Uh, Cowan has argued, and I think Kaufman too, I'm not sure about Kaufman, but Cowan, that that we just can't um, give anybody anything, even STDs or anything. We just, it doesn't work like that. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, the idea of contagion. It just you know, doesn't work, huh? No, I and mean, that's why Dr. Cowan's book is brilliant. The C- contagion, contagion myth, that's yeah. what it is. You know, it's a myth. Well, every time they've tried to um, prove contagion, at, at least naturally, you know, um, like they did in the 1918 with the Spanish flu, when they were trying every which way to make volunteers, healthy volunteers sick by being with people that were said to have the Spanish flu, you know, whether it was through their fluids, injecting them with their blood, having them sit and talk with them for long periods of time and being coughed on, you know, they could not transmit disease in that way. And there's studies, not just from the 1918 flu, but even, you know, in the 1920s and 30s, um, they're more open to doing uh, what you would say is like more natural routes of uh-huh. um, infection, you know, like having the fluids um, be sprayed in people's faces or, you know, kind of injected in their noses and, and things like that, even though that's not really natural. But, you know, it's different than um, what they do with animals where they're injecting them, you know, with cultured crap in the brains, the eyes and testicles and things like along those lines. But they tried over and over again to make people sick with, um, you know, we've seen uh, failed attempts at measles, failed attempts at chickenpox, failed attempts at scarlet fever, influenza. They they could not transmit. Just can't do it. Disease. Just can't do it. Right. So, so even the classic uh, measles parties and all that where we were thinking we went to a measles party because mom thought it'd be a good idea to get the measles, which it probably is. That was just right. all a fairy tale, too. We didn't catch anything from anybody. Well, I mean, it could, you know, that that's an interesting one because there's no real, there's a lot of wives, old wives yeah, tales about we don't, this. We don't you know? know, right? There's no, yeah, there's no data. There's no studies um, that I've ever seen that really show these parties or people becoming infected. I'm not saying it didn't happen, and I'm not saying that people you know, in the same environment can't come down with the same symptoms. For a lot of different reasons. But for a lot of reasons. Ex- exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons, um, you know, for why people may come down with similar symptoms at the same time. But even in those instances with, like, the pox parties and everything, there are a lot of uh, stories I've heard where people are completely fine. They they never came down with anything, even, why, even though they were purposely exposed to these um, you know, other children who had um, chicken yeah. pox or measles. Mike Stone, one of the uh, questions we get probably more often than others when we start talking about this is, and I'll just paraphrase, uh, if I can condense many of them, thousands probably over the last two years, is, well, you know, you keep talking about this virus doesn't exist, Patrick, but, you know, uh, my my son came home from school and he had COVID and then I got COVID and my husband got COVID and how do you explain that? So there's a it's kind yeah. of so talk a bit about that from your experience and talking with all these other people and what virology has proven. I mean, how can how is that possible? Right. Well, they, that's the thing they haven't proven that a lot of it is epidemiological studies which are are pretty uh, subjective and, and full of bias, anyways, but. Um, you know, if you're thinking about why people get sick um, at the same time or around the same time, to me, you have to look at the environment that they're in. Are they sharing, you know, a similar living space? Uh, you know, if it's a family, they're they're obviously together. Uh, typically, they're uh, eating and drinking, consuming the same similar items. Um, they're maybe under the same stress, whether it's well, a stressful environment at the home or something along those lines. So. Um, you know, there, there are theories out there. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the theory of like uh, bioresonance. Or, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, and I, I still have yet to see any really good uh, studies um, on that. But it is an interesting theory there where um, kind of like how women can s- sync up with their periods. 
that uh, being in the presence of each other for so long that maybe the body, um, uh, when you're around someone that might be going through a detoxification, maybe the body um, of one other person will say, hey, maybe I should be going through this too and I'll be healthier. Right. Uh, I think there's something to that. You know, I can't prove it either, Mike, but, you know, it feels right. It feels right to me. Yeah, it's it's hard to to really you know that's it's uh, an area that I think definitely needs some further study and, and looking into, um, and there could definitely be truth in that. Um, but you know, even looking at the flu, um, I believe it was in two thousand three there was a review through all the literature, um, uh, just looking at human to human transmission, and they they could not find any studies. Um, showing or proving uh human human transmission of influenza never could do. you know something that never could do. no you know something that you would think there should be plenty of evidence on it's been around i believe the first time the flu was identified or you know supposedly isolated was like in 1931 and so we've had almost 100 years of studies being done on influenza and you know even when you look at the cdc um or the world health organization when you look at like information on how this is supposed to spread they don't even say like outright this is how it spreads a lot of times it's um evidence suggests airborne transmission or evidence you know they can't say 100 because there is no 100 proof it's just all theories conjecture so you think they do that maybe just to protect themselves if they get caught yeah. someday they say well we never said it do we? <laughs> we never- yeah, like, look we said it suggests you know we didn't say 100 this is how it works Yes, I do believe that they, I mean, there are instances where you'll see them seeing, taking a more hardline stance. Most of the time, it's, uh, yeah, this uh, evidence suggests, or it may do this, it might do this. Uh, you know, they, they give themselves a lot of wiggle room, for sure. Uh, exactly. Mike Stone is with us. Uh, if you have a question for him, Patrick, OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, we're going to do a little break here, Mike, and uh, I'll promote a product. Let's see which one we're going to do. We're, oh, here's a good one. Uh, and... Um, where is it? Oh, here it is. Yeah, check it out. This is great. Really cool technology. Dr. Mark Circus in Brazil has been studying hydrogen for many years. Long time. We recently had him on the air and we asked, what's going on with this AquaCure machine putting hydrogen and water and gas in the body? Well, first of all, you're fooling around with, as I say, the borderline between physical universe and light. Hydrogen is the most basic and common element in the whole universe. Mm -hmm. Every star in the universe eats it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner by the mountainfuls. (laughs) Interstellar space is full of it, so it's circulating. And it's very small. Hydrogen or hydrogen gas, molecular hydrogen is very small. And it's like vitamin C, which is about 137 times bigger. It's an antioxidant. And, as it is on every sun, and with with rockets going to space, use hydrogen, hydrogen cars, buses, and trains, it's a fuel. So, it's a fuel for the mitochondria, or the energy factories of all the cells. A little more on our educational series on hydrogen. You can get the AquaCure machine. Now, let me interrupt you there, Patrick. Yeah, it is a food... It doesn't kill anything. It doesn't go in because we don't. We're not a believer in killing anything these days. I think, I think the body's just going to deal with whatever shouldn't be in there as we detoxify. And uh, but you know that's just me. Anyway, if you want to get one of these guys, I uh, three years now for me, and I breathe it every day and drink water every day, hydrogen water. Now don't go by me. I mean I'm crazy. So you know you might just get as crazy as me if you do this thing, but. I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing very well, and I um, feel very blessed to have the the health status that I do. Knock on wood. I'm knocking on my head. Anyway, we have a promo code of one radio, one radio, and you get yourself a 20% discount. Now I don't know how long we're going to do this one. It's been a while, but George is just leaving it on. We're all keep kicking in some of our commission because we thought it would be more fun just to turn on more people. So. Uh, it's a great unit. It's got a lifetime warranty. Hello. L- 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 lifetime warranty. Wow, man. How many people do that? And also a one-year nanny, uh, nanny? Uh, 
I can talk. One year, no questions asked, money back warranty. That's cool. I mean, come on. That's really cool. One year, no questions asked. Now you don't want it, he'll send you your money back. Uh, AquaCure Hydrogen Machine, Brown's Gas. Uh, you can go to MolecularHydrogenInstitute.org and you can see peer-reviewed studies. Not that that means anything anymore. Geez, I don't know what to believe. But anyway, uh, in China, Russia, Vietnam, on the out that way, they have a lot of uh, work being done uh, helping people to recover more quickly from strokes and such. So it's very powerful technology. OneRadioNetwork.com. Promo code OneRadio, 20% off. This is on sale. This is the biggest sale of the year for this product. Biggest sale of the year, 20% off right now, right now. The first supplement I like to take in the morning right after I wake up is Pine Pollen Pure Potency or P4. This is Cirque Rival's flagship testosterone and androgen support formula. It's made with the pollen of pine trees, which is rich in testosterone, androstenedione, DHEA, and a bunch of plant sterols. These are all substances, phytochemicals, that support the body's natural androgens, or male hormones. Of course, men and women are using this product, but usually it's men in andropause. Men after age 40 whose testosterone production has started to decline. Many of Thrival supplements can be taken any time of day, but Pine Pollen Pure Potency, it's important that you take at very specific times of the day. Now it can be taken once, twice, or three times, depending on how much you want to supplement yourself with the phytoandrogens found in it. But the key is taking it at morning, right upon waking, midday or noon, and then again right before bed. So once, twice, or three times a day, but always at those times. And that's because that's when your body's naturally producing its own testosterone. And all we want to do is amplify that sine wave. We don't want to start to take testosterone at a time where our body's purged it from the bloodstream. Instead, we want to take it at a time where those levels are already spiking and we're just subtly helping to increase them. This product tastes fantastic. I think of it like an orange creamsicle. And that's because in addition to that subtle pine flavor, there's a little bit of orange peel, Tahitian vanilla bean, cloves, and then a little bit of maple syrup just to give it this nice kind of sweet orange flavor. So it's really delicious and easy to take. So if you're looking to increase your testosterone or androgen levels and you want an alternative to pharmaceutical testosterone replacement therapies, there's nothing that does it better than pine pollen pure potency. Really, really nice product. I've been taking this kill guy, not that what I take matters, but it, I mean, it's really good. My testosterone level, I tested it, I don't know, maybe it was a year and a half ago. It was probably, it said too high. It was big red letters. Your testosterone is too high. You know how they, they have these, you know, they have these averages. I mean, mine was too high, like 875 or something. It's supposed to only be up to six, you know, these tests. But anyway, so it, it works and it's on sale right now, 20% off. OneRadioNetwork.com. A lot of good products on Survival. So when you buy the uh, on sale thing, the code is RESTORE20 for the 20% off for this. RESTORE20. Also has colostrum, uh, shaga, reishi, uh, pine pot, uh, elk velvet antler. Really, really nice products on Survival. It's through our website, OneRadioNetwork.com. Oh, how come that didn't work? Oh. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with Mike Stone, who's not a virologist, because if he was a real virologist, I would suspect that he wouldn't know what he's talking about. So he... (laughs) If you were to go to virology school, Mike, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know that, right? Uh, definitely not. Yeah, I'd be walking lockstep with everyone else, getting my vaccination and testing regularly. And, yeah. and you know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to criticize virologists when they're when the chips are down, but you could really uh, imagine if you go through whatever pre-med and then virology and medical, who knows, medical school and PhDs, and from day one they they tell you that there's a virus. I mean, if they, I mean, how could you not believe in the germ theory? By the time you get out of there, you you'd be cooked. You know, you'd be cooked. Absolutely. That's why, um, like, one of the the biggest, um, uh, what's the word, word I'm looking for? Like, uh, comeback that people you know present to us is like, oh, this is you think all these virologists are in on it right. um, and yeah. on this lie and everything. No, no, that's not what we're saying at all. No. I mean, they they. Fully they believe, believe in it. Yeah. Been taught. 
Yeah, I mean, they, I, I um, you know, you, you go through all this schooling, you put all this money into it, and um, you, you are taught a certain method. And, you know, from what I understand, just from talking to friends who are uh, doctors, you know, have gone through medical school, and, and I've got a, a few that are um, uh, molecular biologists, and, you know, they, they teach you these things as if it's fact, you know, they, they present the information, um, they just kind of briefly go over it. They don't really show you the studies. You, you don't mm-hmm. dig into this at all. Mm-hmm. You're just presented as fact. And so um, a lot of this is memorization. You know, you're taught to memorize uh, certain information and, and methods. And it, it's more of along the lines of you, you um, are not meant to question. You know, this is just the way it is. And, mm-hmm. and you do, you, get, you go along with it. Um, you know, I've got uh, doctor friends who, um, you know, now they've come to the realization that, that what they're doing is, um, you know, they have been participating in kind of a fraudulent system, but they fully believed in it all the way, you know, through medical school and, and starting to practice and things like that. I mean, I believed in viruses at one time. We've all been sure, there. We've all There's been. this. Yeah. I mean, we've all been in, indoctrinated into it um, at an early age and, and, um, and conditioned to, to believe a certain thing. So it, it's difficult to break out of that. You know, you have to be willing and open to question things. If you're not, then, then people are going to run up into, you know, you're going to see a lot of anger and no, that can't be the case. A lot of cognitive dissonance that they're unwilling to accept that. It's just too crazy. No, you've got to be, you're a conspiracy theorist. There's no way that this is true or you'll hear you're not a scientist you're not a virologist you don't know what you're talking about but they they, people tend to sell themselves short you know i i don't believe you have to be a virologist to understand the methods all you have to do is read the sources go through their study their studies learn their terminology anyone can understand this Uh, you know it's not rocket science it's well it's pseudoscience so you can you can understand this it just takes a little effort and you'll you'll be able to see right through what they're doing so it might seem crazy at the start but when you when you you know peel back the layers of the onion you'll it'll start to make sense yeah yeah it'll start to make and just sense. in common day experience how often do you hear people say oh i caught the flu i caught a cold i mean it's just ingrained in our psyche, yep. that we catch stuff. I mean, it just is. I mean, everybody uses that term. I don't, but, you know, because I've learned from guys exactly. like you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have friends who, who know about this, and they still say, well, my, 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 my wife or a kid came down with, you know, caught a cold. I'm like, eh. Yeah. But, yeah, we're, we're taught not to look at outside factors or what could mm-hmm. possibly be causing um, the symptoms we're, we're taught not to take you know personal responsibility for our own health it's got to be that germ or that mm-hmm. the virus or that microbe that that mm-hmm. caused this and here's your your cure go to the doctor get your prescription and and you'll be better most of the time that's the thing that's actually going to make you worse if anything so well, michael you know you it's know. a what three four five trillion dollar operation you know that's based on germs and and catching something Right, antibiotics and vaccines, and boy, they're, you know they—they—they're just—they're going to hang on to this as long as they can. That's why we're seeing all these things like the monkeypox. Mm. Uh, com- you know, that—that's why it's so important right now to try and I get understand. as many people. Yeah, teach people. Yeah, yeah, to understand just or at least you know they don't even have to believe what I'm saying or anyone else, but at least question think about uh, be it. open to, to yeah just think about it and look at the information for yourself you know if you don't believe uh what we're saying even though we've, we've read through these papers read the papers yourself and see if what, what we're saying is true or not mm-hmm. you know anyone can do that um, but it's so important right now to to get this understanding out there because they're going to keep playing the same trick over and over and over again and i see them getting away from um even trying to say that they, you know, culture or isolate a virus, it's now become this molecular viro- virology where everything is centered on in the genome, you know. Oh, we, so we kind of explain that. that. So you, they're, they're getting away from what? Moving to what? Like culturing, you know, where in the past they would have to 
um, you know, take the sample from a, a sick person right. and then they'll put it in a cell culture, which is, you know, where they take like, a, we'll just use SARS-CoV-2 as an example. It's the easiest one. They'll take the kidney cells from an African green monkey and they'll take, you know, the person's uh, lung fluid and add it to this cell culture. Well, the, the African green monkey kidney, they'll put a lot of things in that cell culture, mm-hmm. such as, um, uh, antibiotics, antifungals, um, they put uh, fetal calf serum, cow blood in there. Um, they put uh, different nutrients and things. And then they, they incubate that for a, a few days. And they'll look for what they call the cytopathogenic effect, which is basically just the breakdown of the cell. And so if they see a pattern of uh, a certain pattern, then that tells them, oh, yeah, we have a virus in there. Not that we after you know, putting all these things in there, Michael. Right after yeah. putting all these things yeah. in, and then if something starts to break down, they say there's a virus in there. Really, exactly. That's that's when and it's the, not the, being the, isolated properly. Correct. Just so we're clear. Absolutely yes. I mean that there, there's no you can't mix a bunch of things together and call it isolation. I mean, that goes completely against the definition of <laughs> isolation. You know, that's, yeah. you're supposed to separate one thing from everything else, not put a whole bunch of things together and call that the isolate. But what they're saying is that they have to grow the virus. But essentially, what their what their their viral growth is just the breakdown of the cell. You know, they're, it's breaking into smaller and smaller pieces, and then they say that well, there's the virus when it, it's replicating, even though it's not. It's just de- destroying itself because it's in an unnatural environment. It's being toxic. I mean, just the antibiotics alone are known to break down these cells. Sure. Um, sure. And, the ones that they use are are uh, highly toxic to kidney cells. So you're using a kidney cell for the culture, and then you're blasting it with antibiotics and antifungals, which are toxic to kidney cells. So you're, of course, going to see breakdown of the cells. But they don't factor these things in. They don't do proper controls to, to count for all these variables. So if there were if there were a, a virus, how would they do it to prove that it exists? Could they take something from, like, a, from a dead person that they say died from this and do something with that? Well, what, what you would need to do um, if they were going to do it honestly mm-hmm. would be to take that lung fluid, so the fluid from the lungs, and just from that alone try to isolate, purify and isolate a virus. So they have different methods, whether they go through um, ultra centrifugation, which is where they put the, the sample in a tube and spin it really fast mm-hmm. and try to get it to um, settle at a certain band. And once they have that band, they can take from there what they call the viral band, take the particles out, centrifuge it some more. Sometimes they'll put it through uh, filtration, precipitation. Basically, that's what they're supposed to do if they want to isolate, purify and isolate these particles. They should do that first before the culture. You know, make sure those particles are actually in the fluids directly from the sick human. They don't do that. They might spin it a little bit before they put it in the culture, but they never look within that culture to see if there's virus. They take then put that right in the cell culture, culture it for a few days, and then from that cell culture, that's what they'll look under the microscope, under the electron microscope, and say, yeah, there, there the particles are. Was there a, at one point three years ago that there was some kind of a, a molecule or an atom or a substance that they claimed was COVID, SARS-CoV-2 from a bat or whatever? Oh, are you talking about just the, the coronavirus, like yeah, the particle yeah, itself? coronavirus, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that goes all the way back to the 1960s. 60s, um, wow. uh, Yeah, yeah, with the original coronaviruses, um, when... Uh, it was um, 229E is was the name of the original one, um, and uh, like OC43 was it. So they're the two original ones in the 60s and the 70s, basically all the way up until uh, SARS-CoV-1 came out in 2003. There were just basically two main coronaviruses. Um, and all they did was, you know, they did this same tissue cell culture stuff where they mixed a whole bunch of uh, crap in a culture and then looked at it under a microscope and picked whatever particle they thought was their virus. And in that instance, they found 
the woman, her name was June Al Almeida, I believe it was in 1967, she found a particle that looked like uh, the avian infectious bronchitis. So it came from a bird, or not from a bird, I believe it was um, chickens. And so she found a particle in the electron microscope or some particles that resembled that, what they had already claimed was a virus, and then said, there's your virus, that's your coronavirus right there. And they said, because it had these spikes around the outside, it looked like the, the flares of a sun, it's a coronavirus. And that same particle has been used as a representation for SARS-CoV-1, it's been used for hmm. um, wow. MERS. That's the picture Middle you East see West. sometimes, it's the picture you see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they have that, that same um, coronavirus. So there's, there's, I believe, seven main coronaviruses now and they all look exactly the same. Um, but what's interesting about that particle, uh, in I believe it was 2020 when this first started, in Australia, they did, um, you know, they were doing their isolation. And when they looked at their sample under the electron microscope, they could not find the spikes around the, the particles. They just saw, you know, a circle, a blob. And so they added what's called trypsin to their culture and trypsin is a, a protein digester and so what it ended up doing was the outer layer of that blob it started eating away at it and created the the spikes hmm. and so then they took the pictures underneath the electron microscope and said oh there it is there's the spikes Whoa. so yeah we have the, the virus <laughs> so they they create these particles through these procedures and then claim that that's their virus even though you know, if they were going to be honest, they would say, yeah, there's other particles that look similar or, or other things within this culture. We don't know for a fact that this is a virus. This is just the representative that we picked out for it. Yeah. So, um, uh, Lanka and Cowan and Kaufman and you guys and Vollmer and the rest of you have been talking about this idea that we have particles, exosomes, viruses, bacteria, whatever they're called in our body, and they're there to clean things up. Do you think that that's the system we're really working with? Well, I view it, yeah, I view it like a plumbing system. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, you know, the evidence for any of these particles is very um, sh on shaky ground, like even exosomes. I looked into those recently and, you know, they're, it's essentially the same thing where they find uh, a particle in, um, in a culture. Um, sometimes they say they can find it directly in the fluids and sometimes they can't, but you know, and they, they assign, so they'll, they'll find a particle and then they assign um, a name and functions to it, but they cannot observe those functions. They so, can't observe um, the functions. They just give it a name and they right. say, hey, that's something. Hmm. Yes, because when they view these things under electron micro, across, I can't even say the word, microscopes, they're, they're dead, you know, so they, they, they have to kill them in order to view them. So they can't ever see any of these particles uh, actually functioning within a living organism. They just assume what they believe that they're there for. I see. And so they, they create a story around what they believe these particles that they find. But the, the problem is when you go back and look through how they get these images, um, it's so far removed from reality, like what the sample would have been from the start like all the processes it goes through from the culturing you know the steps like we talked about how they go through you know adding a bunch of chemicals and foreign substances together to just preparing the images for electron microscopy um, they have to go through uh, fixing where they put uh, formaldehyde or glaudehyde on the sample to, to kill it they stain it with heavy metals they um, sometimes will freeze it. Um, other times they'll, well, they dry it out with ethanol, alcohol, you know. Um, they embed it into plastic resin and then they cut it into really thin slices. They put that underneath the microscope, hit it with really high heat energy, you know. You know, at that point, um, you don't know there's a biology. Yeah, Harold Hillman said, you know, the, the point where you get the lived tissue from uh, a person to the point where it becomes an illustration of the book, they're completely different. There, there's no way to be able to say that what you find at that end result was ever in the living animal or host at that, like in, you know, in that way. 
Does that make sense? Yes, so it, it's so far removed from reality that it's, it's, you know, you can even question whether or not they're just artifacts. That's what he said. Most of these things were just artifacts. Artifacts. We're, we're talking with Mike Stone, uh, Vero Ligy. It's V-I-R-O-L-I-E-G-Y. I was on your site this morning, and I know I can see that you have an article there on the whole bioweapon thing. I didn't read it. But so before we go, yeah. so what about this idea? I mean, do you, is it even possible, in your opinion, that somebody somewhere could make something in a lab, release it into the air, it's living, and people breathe it in, and then share it with somebody else. I mean, is that even feasible, that theory? No, they've never been able to do it's that. Not, they've never been able so to the whole bioweapon thing is just made up too, as well. Right, right. I mean, um, what they could be doing which um you know the real bioweapon is the the, the injection those right. are yeah. yeah they're getting people to line up for those they don't need all they needed was some fear and a pcr test I see. and people were lining up for for the injections that's the the real bioweapon no they 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 did studies with ferrets and things like that with a, a flu virus and could not couldn't get do it. it to no they they cannot create well, first of all, they would have to prove a virus exists first, but they can't create a virus from, you know, you can't create something from nothing. So um, they, uh, it's a good story and it's a good way to keep people, you know, fearing or anyone who questions, you know, it, it, I look at it this way. If you're willing to question the existence of uh, SARS-CoV-2 as an actual virus that came from nature or leaped from animals into man, and you're, you start heading down that path, no, that, that, didn't happen that doesn't make sense the story in wuhan oh but there's a lab in wuhan where they created this virus that makes sense yeah okay now i can see it keeps you looped into this virus narrative i see yeah I mean, mm -hmm. yeah and so it's a it's a good way of keeping people that are questioning uh the actual virus lie to, to still remain within that lie yeah it didn't happen in nature but yeah we can create these things well if it was a bioweapon uh, it's the worst bioweapon ever made because 99% of the people survive it. You know, so, right, everybody would uh, be dead, right, if there was a bioweapon. Yeah. So I guess it's yeah. possible, and they do, I guess, with uh, maybe maybe chemtrails. I don't know if they've ever proven those things, but right. mercury or, or aluminum, you could do toxins in the air, but right. even, even that, what do they do? They would just blow around and we would breathe them in, but that wouldn't mean that we could share them with anybody. We would just detox right, yeah. them out, I, right? I fully believe that they can they can poison us for sure. sure. I mean, sure. they can create you know agents. They've used them, you know, the chemical warfare's. Uh, you know, like I believe is Agent Orange and sure. th things like that. They can they can definitely poison us, and and that could technically be what they're looking at within. Like no one knows what they're doing at these labs, and I don't believe a story that they tell us, uh, which is like the the Fauci the Fauci li uh, leaked emails and they're not going to leak those things. That's not going to get out if they're really doing these things. Um, but yeah, they they definitely can make uh, you know chemical toxins. They've been doing it for, forever, right? you know, yeah. forever. Yeah, and so uh, we can definitely be poisoned, and I do believe they're poisoning our air. We're being poisoned through our water, through sure. our food sources, and things like that. But no, we cannot. They cannot create something that you know gets inside of you replicates inside of you and, and then you're spreading it yeah, to someone else can't yeah. can't do that um no yeah. they've, they've tried and they can't do it no um uh, so 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 then maybe even this gain of function thing this term that ryan paul and trying to drive home that could all be a false flag as well right i i believe it is yeah that's why i call it the game of fiction it's just another narrative <laughs> Um, just, just another, another thing cementing story. the idea that a virus exists exactly right? yeah because if you're willing to question one that's you know natural um, you might be more inclined to believe that there's one that was created in a lab I mean uh, uh, you know they've got people believing that uh, we can do things that we can't do and so it keeps you well if I'm getting sick from something that was created in a lab then I still need to get some sort of treatment right to sure cure this you know or, you know see people promoting a lot of different drugs alternative treatments that they need um and uh, again like i i believe uh, ivermectin is one of them and I, I you know you still have to look at the side effects for for these alternative treatments are sometimes just as bad 
um, for something that your body will handle on its own if you allow it to. I've had that experience with people who are really open to the idea that the virus thing was just made up, you know? And they say, yeah, I know, yeah. but I think it was a bioweapon. Okay, so that's the first, you know, they go boom, right to there, right? So the bioweapon is probably the fall guy, right? Oh, I agree, yes. Yeah, I believe it's just the, you know, it's their their escape, claw, or not, I don't escape clause, but you know, it's it's the narrative that they can use for anyone that's starting to veer off the path. They have a lot of, um, experts out there now promoting this bioweapon narrative yeah the gain of function thing and so it allows them to loop right back into this lie this myth of contagion you know that you can get an infectious agent i mean they're even trying you know at one point to scare people about vaccines and and shedding like oh um, i remember that that whole shedding thing yeah yeah Yeah, because and, and again it promotes that myth that you know if someone is injected with the vaccine well there probably produces the mra rna the spike that spike sheds off of them and goes into someone else and now you've got the spike inside of you and it's it, it's just another uh, way to keep people trapped and and fearful of everyone else yes, i think sir. that's the main it keeps you afraid yeah um it keeps you afraid of your you know fellow humans it keeps you afraid of the the Go, people that keeps are working you afraid of lab. going outside <laughs> Exactly, like, and that, that's what they want. It's just been a fear campaign for the last uh, three, three years now, almost three wow. years. We've been under a, a, a just one long fear campaign. Starting to see more stories like this. Danish news: Danish government no longer is recommending vaccines for kids. Um, here's another one: Canadian province stops giving boosters to elderly people because of life-threatening side effects. Um, this stuff's going to always going. It's going to come out. It's eventually, right? Yeah. It's eventually going to come out. I don't know if any of these people will go to jail, but if they just stop doing it, I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. We need that's, that's the thing. We need to stop it now because otherwise we're going to start seeing more and more of these. They, they just had another one come out. I can't remember the name of the virus. I mean, the names just get crazier and crazier, but um, there's another virus that they're saying now discovered in China that um, oh, really? uh, it's running rampant, like 35 people infected. I mean, They've tried, uh, my favorite, and most recently, was the the strawberries that are given hepatitis A to people. Oh, I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, it was like in California, like around there, there's uh, people were claiming that they were getting hepatitis A from eating strawberries. I'm like, come on, at some point, you got to sit back and say, this is a little outlandish here. Let's. Uh, well, the, I, the, I, I think the monkeypox is, you know, pretty stupid yeah it's just a pretty stupid name to be selling to people and so so they got to know i mean so many people i don't know if anybody that's even talked about it or think it's a problem do you have you meet any people no no i I haven't seen anyone um really terrified of of getting the monkey pox but i don't i don't know if this is meant to be as big as i don't think it's ever going to balloon up as like covid did or anything like that but i believe it's just another way Kind of like how you, you, we used to see um, these little, um, pan, not pandemics, I'm using the wrong term, but epidemics like um, Zika virus and, you know, Ebola virus, right. uh, the swine. That It keeps the narrative in people's head that at any one moment, there can be another outbreak. Yeah, these viruses are adapting and mutating. And, and the monkeypox virus, even though it's been around since the 50s, is now mutating into a sexually transmitted disease that discriminates against gay people and is presenting itself in ways it's never presented. I mean, they're going to keep, you know, create, shifting the narrative and uh, the goalposts and, and just coming up with new ways to keep people afraid and locked into this virus. Myth. Yes, sir. I agree. Well said. And I think there's an argument to be made, which is pretty spooky, that there are forces that really think that gay people are bad and you got to kill them. And I think that CD, you know, the HIV thing and now this, you know. It's, uh, yeah, they're targeting them for a reason, yeah. for sure. And it's it's funny, I go into a few uh, um, websites, like Breitbart, which is really conservative right-wing thing, just see what's going on. And they have a lot of just conservatives that really just, you know, piling on the gays at their problem, their problem. And this is, boy, if they weren't, if they weren't gay, they wouldn't be getting this thing. I mean, it's it's terrible, you know. It's, oh yeah, well, and, and they they do terrible. this with a lot of yeah, it is horrible, and terrible. and they do this with uh, you know with when coronavirus came out, people were discriminating against Asians. 
oh. and, you know um you, you brought this to our country and stuff like that but then what what's interesting is like uh corona or SARS-CoV-2 apparently is very discriminatory as well because it is mostly attacking minorities like if you look at the statistics oh, really? it's mostly it? targeted yeah so uh, they there was this campaign that came out a while ago i thought it was kind of funny it said viruses don't discriminate and neither should you and <laughs> i like it <laughs> I'm like yeah it, first of all it's not i don't think people should look to a virus as a role model so <laughs> viruses don't discriminate um but you find so many instances of viruses discriminating like sars-cov-2 attacking mainly uh, minorities monkeypox going after the gay community HIV, you know, discriminates against both sex and minorities. So it's like uh, their their stories just get more and more outlandish. Probably going to be a new one for the election, the midterms, right? They're probably going to do something. Probably the midterm, midterm 105 virus or something crazy, you know? <laughs> they always have something kind of cooking in the background, I've noticed. There, yeah. There's all these little mm-hmm. stories of a virus, then they, they can break that out at any moment. No no one, I you know, when I first saw the monkeypox thing, I didn't think it was going to be around. You know, the last time I, we long. talked about yeah. it, I was like, yeah, I thought maybe, you know, they might have wings for or legs for a month or something, but yeah, it's still going, sadly. Well, didn't People the WHO compare, uh, can, uh, um, emergency, yeah, yeah public, they, they, health a public health emergency, didn't they declare yeah. it up? And hasn't the, the Biden US. administration also jumped on that? Yeah. Really? Exactly, yeah. And I don't, I, I haven't looked at statistics recently, but I don't believe anyone's died in the U.S. I don't Maybe so. only one person worldwide or something, but uh, I mean, there might be more. I, I believe um, the numbers are not that high. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really <laughs> surprising to me is they, they've actually admitted, and I don't think he really got the vax because they're not that stupid, you know, they're, but yeah. they claim that Biden had four boosters and he got COVID again. Now, come on, he got it twice. I mean, why do they, why would they even admit that? You know, that's what I that's why I, I was don't trying to wrap it. my head around that. Like, <laughs> how does that help their narrative at all? I don't like, know. To me, that completely destroys the the faith in the vaccine. The only thing I can think of is they're trying to scare maybe the elderly into oh, you know, he's had all of this, but he's still maybe we need another one or something. Maybe we need all. another one. Yeah, you know that. The fall campaign is coming up. They're going to need people out there getting their flu shots and their, uh, you know, SARS-CoV-2 shots, and then they're going to need their <laughs> monkeypox shots. And uh, I think you they know, just wanted to get him out of circulation because he keeps saying stupid things. You know, Joe, just sit over there. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. We we need you to quarantine for a while. You're <laughs> you're embarrassing. So. <laughs> Here's a little warm soup. Watch Jeopardy. You'll be good, and uh, we'll get back to you. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's always fun yeah. talking to you. Tell folks about your website. It's V-R-I-O-L-I-E-G-Y. You have a lot of articles, right? A lot of blogs and stuff. Yeah, I think over 190 right now. Wow. But, um, yeah, so it's yeah virology.com. Um, two that, if, if you don't mind, I just want to point out sure. two that we've done recently. Um, I was able to participate with um, Dr. Cowan, Dr. Kaufman, mm-hmm. and a bunch of um, other people, the Baileys, uh, and we, we uh, did what was, uh, you, you can either call it the settle the debate challenge or the no virus challenge, where we um, are looking to get a bunch of virology labs, at least, you know, five of them to uh, do the control experiments that have been lacking in um, virus research. Oh, cool. And so <clears throat> taking samples, not just from SARS-CoV-2, but from healthy people, from those that might have lung cancer or the flu, and actually going through and seeing if they these independent laboratories that are blinded to each other Mm -hmm. can actually produce the same results and um whether it's through their and that's under your videos and people can watch that yeah i actually have a yeah i have a tab on the the site called the the no virus no challenge so you can get led there and then the other one i wanted to point out um alec zek uh really brilliant guy he had this idea of doing this presentation called uh, Debunking the Nonsense. And so it was um, me, him, uh, Dr. Jordan Grant, uh, Jacob Diaz, and um, uh, Mike Daniel. We put together a presentation and a slideshow. So oh. it's about a two, two and a half hour presentation on this whole thing that you can watch there. But you can also download the slides, the presentation as well. And so that's on there as, uh, also. I, I think both of those might help people 
to get a better idea of where we're coming from. Oh, that's great. Oh, that That's really cool. And both of those, uh, Debunking the Nonsense and No Virus, are both on the Virology. Yeah, yeah, so you can find those both on the on the site. And so I, I hope, thank you, thank you for letting me promote those, but I think oh, that sure. might help anyone who's new to this or might be questioning it a little bit. It w- should help give them a really good overview of where we're coming from. And, and someday we're going to need to be able to prove a lot of this stuff more than we are now. Yes. And this is a good way to start. I know, I know you have to run. I just want to talk to you a real minute, quick after the air. Yeah. Want to get off the air? Yeah, Thanks, fine. Mike. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I appreciate it's it. Always it's always fun a pleasure. Having you. Thank you, sir. Mike uh, Stone, good guy, huh? OneRadioNetwork.com. Isn't that cool? He's a good guy. So um, we are going to take a little break here. We're going to be off tomorrow. Uh, we're still rewriting our screenway, screenplay. They were our first one for the 12th time, and you just keep going until... You get done. Someday I'll just say, okay, we're done. Anyway, so we're going to work on that tomorrow, and I will see you on Friday, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, We have great shows all week long. We've been uh, digging more into the world of carnivore, more meat-based diet with keto, with uh, all kinds of uh, cool people. Um, uh, Ivor Cummings from um, uh, Ireland, Dr. Robert Sives, uh, Dr. Dannenberg, Dr. Kiltz, I think there's something to this. Uh, the animal foods uh, seem to be doing some great things for millions of people, and it's kind of a growing thing uh, to getting off of these carbs and stabilizing the blood sugar. So we've done a lot of shows with that. We'll be streaming them. It might be something to be interested in, and I'll be telling you more about my experience with uh, eating more mostly meat and butter and eggs uh, on Friday. And we're going to tell you, I love you all. See you uh, Friday at 10 o'clock. Bye, Dick. <laughs> I'm crazy, so don't go by what I'm doing. So, you know. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.